0: You know, I don't understand this podcasting thing. How come you boys can't have those keg parties and chase the girls like all the other nice boys do? Y'all are nerds.
2: Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and hey, I gotta ask you, what's your favorite money movie? On today's show, we'll walk down memory lane and share the best money moments from Oscar-nominated films with Kiplinger reporter Tom Blanton. Plus, in headlines, one expert says this bull market could last another 20 years. Sound good? We'll cover that and what if you don't last another 20 years? We'll cover tips to protect your assets and your family if you die young. Of course, we'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky caller, answer a letter from the mailbag, and more. And now, two guys who are still waiting for the Gilligan's Island reunion movie, Joe and G. -G. I think we just made a Paula
0: Pant reference there. Did we lose like half our audience with that?
3: You lost half your host with it. I think I've seen like three Gilligan's.
0: Are you kidding me?
3: Episodes of my life. I'll tell you when I watched them at the (laughs) barbershop. Because my, you know, we would go, my dad would take the boys, you know, you'd sit there and then there's the black and white TV in the corner. And then it would like literally take four minutes to get our haircuts, but it would take my dad three hours to have eight cups of coffee and talk to the barbers and we had to sit there the entire time and said, I think it was more of a, I got to get your, your mother some alone time and I don't have anything better to do. So I'm just going to sit here and talk (laughs) to some of my buddies. You guys sit there and watch TV, but it wasn't like cartoons. It was Gilligan's Island and like, uh, you know, old Westerns and stuff. Brady Bunch, Brady Bunch. No, no, it's this one, the Brady Bunch group Uh, that we went. No, (laughs) this is, this was uh, this was not about the Brady Bunch. Hey,
0: everybody. Welcome to the Old TV Shows Podcast. I'm Joe Salci. I ever show money on Twitter and across the card table from me today. Speaking of haircuts, sporting a nice haircut, one and only
3: OG. Well, that's awful nice of you. I, uh, maybe I just combed it a little over to the side today. I haven't got a haircut. You
0: actually combed your hair before coming down to the basement. What's that I all did. about?
3: I even put on a shirt.
0: Yeah. Well, you know why? Because we've got uh, great sponsors, OG. we got to thank Upstart for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Upstart's changed the way we borrow money going beyond traditional FICO scores. Upstart offers personal loans, taking into account factors like job experience and education when determining your interest rate. Head to upstart.com slash SB to find out how low your Upstart rate is checking your rate only takes two minutes and won't affect your credit it's upstart.com slash sb disclaimer loans are offered by cross river bank new jersey state chartered commercial bank restrictions apply i can't not do the voice for details, visit upstart.com. SB. We're also uh, so pleased that our longtime sponsor, Magnify Money, is with us. If you've listened to this podcast forever and you haven't yet been to Magnify Money, what are you waiting for? StackyBegemins.com forward slash Magnify Money. We tell you that they save the average person 450 bucks.
3: Even if you have been to Magnify Money, you have to go back because it changes. The data changes.
0: Yeah, the interest rates change, whether it's on an auto loan, although we're not big fans of auto loans. But on an auto loan, on a credit card refinance strategy, on a student loan refinance strategy, on checking accounts, on savings accounts, on certificates of deposit, whatever it might be. Magnify Money has it. Why shop with one bank when all the banks in the universe are at your fingertips, at least 92% of them anyway? StackyBegemins.com forward slash Magnify Money. All right, let's get this party started, OG. We're going to talk movies today. We're going to talk Oscars, which were just a couple weeks ago. But when you combine the great taste of Oscars with the wonderful taste of money movies, how do you get the best money movies of all time? Kiplinger Reporter. Tom Blanton joining us to talk about that. But first, we got headlines. So let's get this party started.
4: Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show our stacking Benjamin's headlines.
0: Oh, do you think this market bull run is going to last 20 years?
3: I hope so. I hope 20 more years.
0: <laughs> this is written by Adam Schell from USA Today. Market trends bull run could last 20 years, optimists say. So the market's been bouncing around a little bit lately, to put it gently, like we did on Monday. Aging bull, this piece says, no way. Two Wall Street pros say this bull market, which turns nine last Friday, is just getting started. The long-term trend of rising stock prices could last a total of 20 years or more before the uptrend ends. But that doesn't mean short-term swoons won't spook investors along the way, they warn. Quote, I don't think this is an aging bull, says Brian Bolesky, chief investment strategist at BMO Capital Markets. Our market call, which we initiated in 2009, is that this bull will last 20 to 25 years, we're not even halfway through it. What do you think about Hallelujah.
3: that? Hallelujah. I love optimism.
0: How great is that? It's fantastic.
3: Yes. Yeah. Did you celebrate last week when the, you know, on the ninth anniversary of the SP being at like 600 and the Dow being at 6,000? I had a, Do you remember those days and how exhausting that was?
0: <laughs> I got a little tear in my eye.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Those days were hard, exhausting.
3: Yeah. Well, and it reminds us to put it in perspective, right? I had a number of review calls in the last month, and it is coming up that hey, uh, you know, I've noticed a red number this month. Right? I noticed a red number last. It's like, what's up with that? That's yeah, what's up with that. That's the first time in fifteen months. It's like, well, no, no, that's normal. You know, volatility is normal, and so we've uh, been kind of lulled to sleep here. But uh, but the long term trend, you know, here's the reality: it doesn't matter if it's a twenty year bull market. It, we're in a 200-year bull market with like little teeny tiny bits of you know recessions along the way. I don't e- see any reason to suggest that that's not going to happen.
0: Even if you look at the course of your career, let's say that you work for 30 or 40 years doing something, you know, 2000 to 2002, three years. It took us just a couple of years to get back the 2008 losses, right? So even if it lasts two years to get your money back in the big scheme of things, not yeah, a- the
3: average is 20 months. So.
0: Bet on the long run. I like this uh, piece of advice from the piece. Tune out the negativity, says Belsky. The expansion in the economy and corporate earnings is just beginning after years of malaise, he says. There's no real signs of euphoria in the broad market like in Bitcoin or marijuana stocks. Cash is still flowing out of, not into, stock funds, he says. And rising interest rates isn't the death knell for stocks that bears say it is, he adds. Mike Wilson, U.S. equity strategist, Morgan Stanley, is calling this a, quote, secular bull market or one that lasts decades, not years, similar to the long upturn that began in the early 1980s and didn't peter out until 2000, despite some brief yet sizable drops along the way, such as the 1987 market crash. We're going to have some crashes, baby, they're saying.
3: That was pretty sizable, 1987. Yeah, 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 huge, huge. (laughs) What, Like one day, a day and a half, basically.
0: But we had a huge lesson personally on that day. My father-in-law sold everything. And by the time his sell order happened, it had already started to rebound. Like, he immediately locked in his losses by doing what we tell people not to do. And and, and cool. in his defense, was that he used that story all the time. He told everybody, don't panic. Like, I remember him in 2000 to 2002 telling everybody he knew, nope, I made that mistake in 1987. You don't want to do that.
3: Don't do that. Yep. Yeah,
0: good stuff. Our second piece comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. And by the way, before I get to this, this isn't saying, OG, that you and I are predicting a 20-year bull market.
3: I'm predicting a 200-year bull market.
0: Uh, I'm predicting nothing. I don't know where the market's going tomorrow, and I don't really, I don't really.
3: Yeah, but but do you suggest that in 25 years from now it's going to be higher than it is today?
0: I am suggesting what I think you're suggesting, which is the economy will keep on a rolling. If you believe in the economy, the stock market isn't voodoo.
3: Future expectations are earnings, basically, right?
0: Absolutely. And and earnings have to go up to keep up with. I mean, you can go through this. If I had a whiteboard instead of being on a podcast in your ear right now, trust I could
3: trust me. This is a good thing that Joe does not have a whiteboard. <laughs> but,
0: but I could show you how, because companies have debt to pay off the debt and make sure that shareholders get money, anything less than an eight percent return. No matter and it's funny because Buffett has lately said maybe we'll even get seven i think he's just trying to calm expectations a little bit but i can show you very simply how w- w- we kind of got to get eight like if the economy is going to continue to move we pretty much have to get eight otherwise it's going to be a long long road to hoe so i do believe that the stock market will continue the economy will continue if i don't believe that then i don't want to own stocks at all like i'm not doing what they're saying it's some of these pieces we read where i'm i'm getting out of it for a short time you don't do that Either play ball or go buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Second piece comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. This comes to us from... love
3: that <laughs> advice. You can buy this or that.
0: <laughs> from Chana Schonenberger. Chana writes, how to prepare just in case you die young. I like this because we all think we're going to die at the end of the story, OG, but more often than not, we die somewhere in the middle is the sad thing. Nobody wants to imagine it, but you can disaster proof of your affairs with this checklist. It's as few state plans consider the possibility of an early death. That's a potentially disastrous mistake, experts say. By the time you're in your 40s, you likely know someone or know of someone who's died young. That's why it's important for people to draw up plans as soon as possible, including accounting for what will happen should death occur middle-age with children still at home. First thing they go into is insurance, man. The thing nobody wants to talk about is the first thing they address insurance.
3: And I don't think we're suggesting here that common myth of, hey, if you're young, you should buy lots of insurance because it's cheap. But rather, as your life continues to change and evolve and you add responsibilities, whether it's children or mortgages or whatever the case may be, you have to constantly reevaluate your risk management also. Because at the end of the day. If you've got your insurance plan based on when you were single, but now you have three kids that are all under the age of 10, you know, you're not doing anybody any favors there. And yeah, it costs money. That's just part of the deal. You know, you don't get it for free.
0: I do like the idea, though, in this piece, it says, quote, it's best if you can buy guaranteed renewable term insurance when you're still insurable and have no real underwriting risk while you're still relatively young and before you have any diagnoses. I see people all the time that want to get life insurance the second <laughs> the second after they're diagnosed, and maybe that's too late. Well,
3: that's the risk that you run, right? I mean, if you're 28, single, no dependents, no real debt.
0: I think I'd run that risk then.
3: Yeah. You just, you know, do you need to go buy, do do you, do you sit down and say, well, I think I'm going to have the 2.5 kids and I'm going to live in a, you know, McMansion and I'm going to have a $500,000 mortgage when I'm 35. So therefore I need 3 million of life insurance. No, I don't think so. But you have to constantly, you know, evaluate that along the way for sure. The piece says it's also advisable
0: to buy long-term care insurance. We talked about that on Monday, though it's becoming more expensive as policyholders live longer. Oh It's man, horrible. It,
3: it's ridiculously expensive But now. But
0: as Rick Edelman said, big financial advisor Rick Edelman says, the types of insurance you want to look at are the ones that are more expensive. The ones that are cheap are the ones that you can probably ignore. And everybody gets that wrong. Like, oh, I'm going to load up on that insurance because it's cheap. Ignore those. If it's expensive... What does that mean? That means actuaries think it's going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. Many employers also offer disability insurance to replace a certain percentage of salary. If the employee becomes incapacitated, says Joshua Kaplan, an estate planning lawyer in the law firm uh, Deckert in New York, you know, you can get a disability coverage through your workplace, but we also probably, OG, should caution people about that. It might not be what you think it is.
3: This is more important, especially for the up and coming individual. We used it before, you know, the 28 year old single, no dependence, no debt. You've got such a huge runway of income here that you need to build a fence around that golden goose that's laying that egg. You know what I mean? And you have to understand exactly what your work plan is going to provide. Generally, work plans provide about 60 percent uh, plus or minus, uh, but it's taxable. And so a lot of times people look at that, especially with high income earners and say, yeah, I make two hundred thousand dollars a year if I get 60% of my money, that's 120,000, you know, I, I'm not going to be penniless. I, I mean, that's still pretty good money. And the answer is, yeah, it's great money. You know, you're not going to have to worry about food on your table or roof over your head, but what are you giving up? If you're sick or hurt for the rest of your life and you can't work and you're going to get that $10,000 a month from your work plan, what happens when you turn 65? It ends. And what are you planning on between now and 65? You're planning on saving a boatload of money. And so what you're insuring by adding your own coverage on top of it, which comes in all sorts of different flavors and, you know, all the whiz bang uh, yeah. uh, uh, options that you can add to a whole different like, show.
0: That's like yeah, a show it on its own, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. But what you're adding is you're protecting your ability to save money for the next 30 years. You're protecting your savings money. That's a, that's effectively what you're doing.
0: I haven't found a financial planner who doesn't think that disabilities, probably the most overlooked. And... Maybe the most important insurance that you. But can again, have.
3: it's one of those ones that's kind of expensive. Yeah, right, it's like, right. Well, I can get two million dollars of term insurance for six hundred bucks, but my DI is, you know, for three thousand dollars a month, it's going to cost me twenty eight hundred bucks a year. It's like five times. I'll go with the I'll go with the life insurance. It's like, well, somebody's telling you that one of these things is a little <laughs> bit more likely than the other to happen hey. right now. Uh, next up is a
0: will. It says everyone needs a will. Without one, depending on the state of residence, it could take weeks or months for an estate to make its way through probate court until a judge appoints. That's true. Until a judge appoints an executor to wind down the deceased's financial affairs. During that time, heirs may not be able to access the money left to them or even write checks to pay their bills. And it goes into all the things about getting. At the very least, have a will. At the very very least.
3: Yeah, I think here's the point for the two different sides of the spectrum. You've got your 28 year old single person. We're using them, no dependents. They need to have powers of attorney, which is going to help. And and you're going to talk about this. I probably think in a second here, but you need to have. <laughs> weird. I looked at this article. In it's 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 coming. Yeah. At the very least, you need to tell the court where you want your stuff to go.
0: Next is uh, beneficiaries. When you set up a bank account or any financial account, you're typically asked to name a beneficiary to inherit it if you die. Now, remember, if something changes in your life, like you have a divorce, you would need to change not just your will, but you need to change the beneficiary on your 401k, on those accounts. You need to change it everywhere. Yeah, the
3: hierarchy goes beneficiary, then will, right? So whatever the beneficiary says is what the... uh, Company is going to go with.
0: I don't know if you see this a lot, OG, but with uh, divorced individuals, when I was a financial planner, I'd often, often, like not even 20%, 30% of the time, I'd say 60, 70% of the time, I would still find accounts in my client's stuff that had their ex's name on it. And Yeah. You're
3: going through and you're going, okay, so Bob, you're four. Okay. Who's Sarah? <laughs> and you say that real loud next to Judy and Judy goes, <laughs> yeah, Bob, who is Sarah? Sarah says X. Oh, okay. So we're still intending to have her inherit the 401k. God forbid if something happens to you. What? You haven't changed that? I told Oh, so we're going to want to change that. Okay, so let's put an asterisk in. So you want to probably change that maybe right now it sounds like I'm laughing in the car on your way home.
0: I'm only laughing because it's so uncomfortable and it's so not funny. It is so uncomfortable. It's so oh, it totally
3: funny. is. Especially if, especially if Bob really wanted to have the money. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then he's giving me the eye like,
0: dude, what, what are you doing here?
3: I'm trying to work both angles. I'm messing up the plan. The other thing I think, too, is, again, using our young professional, who do you pick when you don't have a spouse? You pick your mom and dad, right? Or your brother and sister or something like that. And that's the same thing that we see just as often as we see the second marriage type of thing. You you, you go, who's Alice and Dennis Smith? go, oh, that's my dad and mom. It's like, okay – should we have them listed still on your... Okay, you're 52 years old. How old are mom and dad? Oh, well, dad's passed. It's like, okay, you know, this is causes a lot of trouble when you try to give somebody who's passed away yeah. money, you know. and
0: you're then
3: trying it, to prevent all these things, but it's just about being proactive.
0: Uh, next is powers of attorney and proxies. And these are important. A healthcare proxy appoints a person older than age 18 to act on your behalf when making medical decisions. So if you can't talk to physicians... Because you're incapacitated, you need somebody that can, and this will be different to help than a,
3: with medical and financial decisions.
0: Yeah, and those can be two different people. As an example, and often are. If you've got somebody in the family who maybe works in the medical profession and knows the lingo around a hospital, that may be a good person there. And then somebody else who's in the financial world might be able to take over the financial decisions.
3: And you don't want the person who's going to inherit the money to also be in charge of pulling the plug. <laughs> that's, a, that's what we call a conflict of interest. They are not a fiduciary in that capacity. <laughs> <Mr>. <laughs> so my brother, when, when we did our estate plan the first time years ago, when we first got married, my wife and I decided that neither of us wanted to be the one in charge of that. Right. At that time. Right. How can you sit with your spouse and decide, you know? Okay. So I, nominated my brother and the attorney that I worked with was really with it. And he sent out a letter to all these people in these roles and said, it didn't say anything. It just said, if something happens, give me a call. You have a role to fill, right? That's all it says in this letter. So my brother calls me says, "Hey, I got this weird letter from the attorney. What's advice? I said, ah, you know, we were talking about Mrs. OG and I were talking about it. And, um, you know, we just, we, we don't want to be in charge of each other pulling the plug, you know, if that, if you get to that spot. So I nominated you to make that decision. And he said, cool. Uh, So when do I get to do that? (laughs) Right. Uh, I'm fine. I'm still pretty healthy. He's like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, so when do I get to do the plug pulling thing? Can I actually pull the plug or do I have to tell somebody else to do it?
0: Is this steak, brother?
3: No, my other one.
0: Oh good. Because I was gonna say Steak Brother can't even read the menu. Like how can he how can you trust him with uh with the whole Will thing? Yeah, I can I can imagine uh, Mr. Smith, OG, only I I told you he has a small rash <laughs> near his <laughs> near <it>. his knee. <laughs> Pull the plug.
3: Pull it. Look, guys, I'm sitting right here. There's I'm not hooked up to anything. Right. I'm like, can't you inject him with something to make this make this pain go away? Right.
0: He's in horrible pain. Look at him. <laughs> Uh, sir, he's eating popcorn on the sofa. He's not even in the hospital. Stitch. <laughs> uh, next is guardianship. This is an important one. Uh, somebody to take care of your children. And by the way, that doesn't have to be the same person who takes care of the money. You can have those be two different. But realize, though, if, if you have somebody who you love with your children, but they're not good with money, it's a great idea to have somebody else handle the money and maybe dole out the cash. I've seen families do that. But realize if you have that be two different people, they will hate each other. Like they, they absolutely, because one person's job is to ask for more, and the other person's job is to say no.
3: Yep. Well, that's their problem. I'll be dead. And then, and
0: then, and then remember documents, and somebody knows where the documents are. I'll link to this piece, an important piece in the Wall Street Journal. Good reporting here by uh, Jana Schoenberg and something that people don't want to talk about. I think uh, lesson number one is if you know when you're going to die or be incapacitated, we'll do all this stuff the day before. If you don't know when you're going to die or be incapacitated, probably do it now. And then our second uh, thing, bull run. We don't know how long it's going to go, but um, if you're betting on the economy, you should uh, stay invested. Well, I'm excited about this segment, OG, number one, because uh, Kiplinger, one of our favorite places, that may have something to do with the fact that they were brave enough to call us uh, Best Financial Podcast just over a year ago, which we still thank them for. But regardless of that, Tom Blanton. We're going to be calling up on my dad shortwave because he's got some money lessons we can learn from oscar-nominated movies he's a reporter for kiplinger and uh, wrote this fantastic piece about different money lessons we can learn from movies nothing we like better og here in the basement is is you know very well than movies and money topics so we're going to combine the two tom blanton let's say hello Tom Blanton coming down the stairs. How are you, man? Have a seat. You're good, thanks. Well, how bad does it stink to have to write the hard-hitting piece about money lessons from Oscar movies? Like, did you, did you draw the long straw to get lucky doing this? Because this is the kind of job I'd want to have.
4: Well, everyone in the office knows I'm a huge movie guy, so as soon as this idea came up, uh, it just came straight to me.
0: Well, a couple of weeks ago, we had the Oscars, and uh, did you have any Oscar surprises uh, to you just in general?
4: I was a bit surprised that The Shape of Water won Best Picture. I was expecting uh, Three Billboards or Lady Bird or even Get Out, but The Shape of Water was great, and there was really no big frontrunner this year, so no, I guess I I wasn't too surprised.
0: Yeah, yeah, I wasn't either. And after the Golden Globes, I also thought that Three Billboards was going to take it, but I also, I personally like Shape of Water better, so I was happy with that. I don't know where you stood on that
4: debate. I was partial to three billboards, actually, but Uh I definitely like Shape of Water, too. What did you like about it?
0: About Shape of Water? I like the fact that that it was a metaphor, you know, and there were lots of metaphors. It was the kind of thing. During my English classes in high school and college, I thought that I could have written papers about that movie, about their use of color, about that. Normally, I don't like a strong director's hand when it comes to a movie, but you could really see... Uh, Guillermo del Toro's hand in the movie, but it didn't bother me. It kind of informed the movie. I don't know. I like the theme of loneliness, you know, that kind of is all over that movie. So that's me. How about you?
4: Yeah, I mean, it definitely permeates in a lot of uh, Guillermo del Toro's films, Pan's Labyrinth, too. Um, It had that same kind of feeling, the fantastical loneliness, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, let's get into these because You were kind enough to write something that was right in our wheelhouse, man, which are movie lessons that we got from Oscar-nominated movies. And we're going to start with this first one, which was nominated for Best Picture this year. Uh, Let's listen to just a little bit of the trailer from The
2: Post. So, can I ask you a hypothetical question?
4: Oh, dear. I don't like hypothetical questions. Well,
2: I don't think you're going to like the real one either.
4: Do you have the papers? Not yet.
0: This is a devastating... But it turns out he's got the papers on the way, Tom, and uh, the movie goes from there. Of course, this is written about the Vietnam War and uh, reporting on the Vietnam War. And it was funny when I saw this as the first thing. I didn't really think while I was watching this movie about money lessons, but you've got some good ones.
4: Yeah, yeah. And our office here is actually a block away from the Washington Post office. So it made it a little closer to home, too. But yeah, seeing that movie and being a reporter, it was a little more impactful, I think, on me and being able to write about it was awesome. Yeah.
0: If I'm a money geek, what are the money lessons that are ingrained in the post?
4: Well, if you're going to take a company public, you then have not only your employees to worry about, but the shareholders to worry about. And when you're making big decisions, like whether or not to print the Pentagon papers, you have a lot more considerations to take into account.
0: Yeah, you've got this outside influence too. I mean, on her piece, she's very, very worried that they're not gonna get the money that they need to keep the paper afloat if they publish. Yet yeah, as a journalist, they got the other pull. I suppose that that's probably the centerpiece of the whole movie.
4: Yeah, definitely.
0: The frustrating here thing here, I think, for investors, though, if I'm an investor in a company, I kind of want the company to do what I personally want it to do. But I guess I don't know. I got to understand that the company's not going to not going to always act the way I want. Like, what what's my takeaway if I'm an individual stock investor, Tom? Uh,
4: the takeaway is to trust the process. And um, if you're an investor who's also a journalist, you're probably going to side with the Washington Post management team in that uh, situation.
0: Also, next on the list is one from this year's. This was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer for The Big Sick.
3: This was fun. Wait, we haven't even had sex again yet. I'm just not that kind of girl.
2: I only have sex once on the first date.
3: I'm just <laughs> going to call an Uber.
2: <laughs> Your driver will be ready as soon as he puts on his pants.
3: Watch and learn, bye. Oh,
1: crust. I have to tell you something, babe. I've been dating this girl. She's white. A white girl? You can't look like you and a white girl. It's okay. We hate terrorists.
0: <laughs> I think it is so funny. I thought this was a really funny movie. This movie caught me by surprise, Tom. I don't know about you. But oh, what... Same,
4: definitely, yeah. Yeah,
0: I first saw it. I wasn't expecting much, and man, it was a great film. What's our big takeaway money-wise from The
4: Big Sick? Our big takeaway here is to always be prepared for the unexpected, especially when it comes to the financial costs of health ailments. One of the main characters in this story, who's actually based on one of the writers of the movie, had a huge lung infection unexpectedly. She was healthy otherwise, and she had a long hospital stay and had to pay for that. I without health insurance, that can be awfully costly.
0: Well, and especially today when we have so many issues with healthcare, care and health care is so expensive, you see people try to cut corners and that just that's a disaster waiting to happen.
4: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Th- that was another thing that I wondered on this, too. There's a point where he has to sign a legal document, right? That's going to save her life. But he's clearly, he's clearly not the person that they think he is signing that legal document. What do you think about that?
4: Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was a bold move, but he had to make it. And in that situation, I wasn't sure if that was legal, but I mean, in <laughs> right. his shoes, I would have done the same thing.
0: I totally would have done the same thing. He broke the law. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. If you haven't seen The Big Sick yet, you, you really can do yourself a favor. And I think uh, The Big Sick is out now on, it's either on Amazon Prime or on Netflix. I just saw it on one of the two for a second time.
4: I believe Amazon Prime, yeah.
0: Awesome. Third on your list of money lessons from Oscars and the, the Academy Awards is uh, from 2016, one of my favorite movies. This is the trailer for The Big Short. Michael, how are you? I found something really interesting.
1: The whole housing market is propped up on these bad loans, they will fail. The housing market is rock solid. It's a time bomb. So Mike Burry, who gets his hair cut at Supercuts and doesn't wear shoes, knows more than Alan Greenspan. Dr. Mike Burry, yes,
0: he does. (laughs) And it turns out that Mike Burry does know more, Tom. He apparently knows a lot more than Alan Greenspan. This, of course, recounts the events as you write in your piece of the 2007-2008 financial crisis through the eyes of those who bet on the collapse of America's housing markets. This was the one, Tom, when I first heard about your piece, I thought this one's definitely in there. So this was a no-brainer.
4: Yeah, yeah. There's no way we weren't going to include this one, With, uh, especially since it happened in our lifetimes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where were you at this time in your life?
4: I was in high school, actually.
0: Okay. Did you see life falling around, uh, you know, uh, people losing their jobs, maybe family members or have uh, people around you losing their houses, parents, uh, friends, maybe? Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. I have very strong memories of that time, but I don't think I understood the full impact of it back then.
0: I don't think any of us did. I remember just even when I sat, I just thought, man, this is bad. But I never, you know, looking back, it was far worse than I thought it was at the time. What's our takeaway from the big short? I guess there's probably 50, but I think you've probably got a
4: big one. Uh, The big one is that all bubbles eventually burst. Do you think that
0: that real estate bubble that we saw then, that some of these signs we're seeing in real estate now, like we didn't really
4: learn our lesson? I'm not, uh, informed enough to comment on that.
0: (laughs) It just seems like we see headlines now, Tom, that you look at some of these hot housing markets around the United States that maybe we're, maybe we're headed back the same way, but
4: but, Uh, I really hope not.
0: Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope not either. Michael Lewis in general is fantastic. And, and we may, we may see him again (laughs) later on here. Your next one on your list. This was one from 2014. Let's play a little bit of this one, which stars Leonardo DiCaprio and is called The Wolf of Wall Street.
2: Excuse me. Yeah. Is that your car on the lot. Yeah. Is it yeah. Jag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much money you make? I don't know. $72,000 last month. You show me a pay stub for $72,000 on it, I quit my job
1: right now and I work for you.
2: <laughs> hey, listen, I, I quit. Yeah, I'm going into
1: stocks. My name is Jordan Belfort. At the tender age of 22, I headed to the only place that befit my high-minded ambitions. Name of the game: Move the money from your client's pocket into your pocket. But if you can make your client's money at the same time, it's advantageous to everyone. Correct? No. I <laughs> it!
4: was a fun movie. Turns out, Tom, the client doesn't really matter. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not according to Jordan Belford. This
0: is a scary story, too. And also, uh, you know, a lot of people are horrified to maybe they don't know that this really happened.
4: Yeah. Just a few years before that, too, you had um, Ivan Busky and Michael Milken. And so yeah, there, you have to be careful when um, there are people out there after your money because there are some smooth talkers.
0: Yeah, and I love your takeaway which is along that line which is hot stock tips from somebody you don't know My, might not be so hot, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever received a good hot stock tip from somebody you didn't know?
4: No, actually. Not it, a good one.
0: No, but it's funny I remember in 2000 being in a dressing room at a gym and hearing these two guys next to me talk to each other about how one of them's earning like 70% on his investments. And the other guy is chiding him because he's only earning 70% right on like pets.com and all these tech stocks that ended up being horrible. And I don't know, I could have sat next to those guys and thought, man, I got to get in, but that's, that's probably not the takeaway. I should know.
4: No, no <laughs> good thing. <laughs> you didn't probably. Yeah. Did you like this movie when you first saw it? Oh yeah. I loved it. I was in college at the time and it was uh perfect for a college
0: kid well what's perfect about it because you're seeing well it was it the fast lifestyle was it the fun that they were having or was it uh yeah, the cautionary yeah, tale fun
4: movie yeah
0: yeah have we covered which one of these is probably your favorite of them yet or have we not gotten there
4: oh no we haven't
0: all right well let's keep moving on then we're going to go back in time a couple years earlier to another michael lewis book adapted for film and this is uh one of my favorites here because i'm a baseball guy this one's called moneyball
4: there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. That's a dollar, man. What? Welcome to
1: Oakland. I need more money. We're not New York. Fine players are the money that we do have. I like Perez. Got an ugly girlfriend. <laughs> ugly girlfriend means no confidence. You guys are talking the same old nonsense like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently.
2: Who's Fabio? Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. And in order to buy wins, you need to buy runs.
1: Who are you? I'm Peter Brand. First job in baseball? It's my first job
4: anywhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not like going off to work for Kiplinger, but it's pretty good when you get to go work for the Oakland A's. Uh, This is the story of the Oakland A's and of a general manager named Billy Bean. You an Oakland A's fan?
4: to an extent, after seeing this movie.
0: I know, me too, right? Beforehand, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know just how much he had to He had to dig in. What's our takeaway from Moneyball that people can learn from, Tom?
4: Our takeaway is that value investing can be a winning formula for your portfolio, just like it was for the Oakland A's under Billy Bean. He found those bargain players for cheap and created a winning team out of them.
0: Well, and what's funny about value investing versus being a growth investor is it's generally a, a less bumpy ride. yeah uh while we're talking baseball just briefly your team uh the padres the oh i feel bad for you man oh yeah (laughs) but this is this is the year tom this is the year or next year always next year always that's right that's what's the best about baseball isn't it it's uh uh, always uh, always time for next year but what's also interesting, I think, I think in this movie in particular, Tom, there's this issue, you know, and we see it back to back. You're talking about Jordan Belfort a couple minutes ago and that excess and how fun that is to see that movie versus a movie like Moneyball, where every dollar matters. I mean, this idea of frugality in your life, right? And betting on just those things that are important is a really good money takeaway also.
4: Yeah, definitely. I hadn't thought about that comparing the two, but when you got to make your dollars count.
0: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd rather have Jordan Belfort's car than Billy Bean's car, but uh, that's a place to go. All right, let's move on to our next uh, candidate here. We're going back now to 2011. This is uh, an Aaron Sorkin written movie called The Social Network. I need to do something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun, and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the Internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles? I'm talking about
2: taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The
1: so site got 2,200
4: hits within two hours?
0: 1,000. 22,000. This idea is
1: potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? You stole our website. They're saying we stole the Facebook we I know, know what it said. said. So did we?
2: A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. You're going
0: to get left. The Winklevoss twins aren't happy, but uh, uh Justin Tibberlake is in his in his role in this movie. I don't think Justin himself was involved at all. So is the theme here, the takeaway, Tom, uh steal the Winklevoss's idea you'll become a billionaire?
4: Quite the opposite, actually. It's uh don't share your ideas, you should act on them. You saw what happened to the Winklevoss twins in this movie when they sought Zuckerberg's help building their website, he may or may not have taken their idea and made a website of his own that went on to become Facebook.
0: It's funny because had they acted on it first instead of sharing it with somebody who, you know, and and you you can actually make a case for Mark Zuckerberg that he had a very close idea of his own, right, already kind of going in. But, you know, hiring somebody else to do it who's that brilliant and then having him merge the idea where they sat, not a great thing. Do you think, though, that when it comes to something like, an idea that's a technology idea like this, that's something we can parlay into any different
4: area or is, is the technology world a little bit different? I'd say the technology world's a little bit different. From what I've read, it's property theft is rampant in Silicon Valley. So I'd say it's probably a little different there, but I mean, it's also still a good idea to keep your good ideas close to your chest until you bring them to life. I remember there's a
0: great restaurant in Chicago called uh, Alinia. I think it's called, I think it's how you pronounce it. And the chef there was working for the gentleman at the French Laundry. He was talking about how when he was at the French Laundry, he had this great idea. And the chef at the French Laundry looked at him and said, you sure you want to spend your best idea here? You don't want to wait until you have your own restaurant. And he said then he was kind of young and stupid and said, oh, yeah, I'll plenty of great ideas. And then he was telling this in this documentary I was watching... He kept saying, you know, I get it now. Like, I'm older now, and I totally get what you're saying here, Tom, that you shouldn't share the ideas. You should go make them happen. Yeah, good stuff. Next film in our list is one. This one, I think, Tom, was the one you surprised me with the most. And this one comes to us from a little studio called Pixar.
3: Good afternoon. Are you in need of any assistance today, sir? No. I could... Help you cross the street? No. I could
0: help you cross your yard? No. I could help you cross your... No. Ow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: That, of course, is from 2010. That's the movie Up. And man, Tom, you had some fun here because you surprised the hell out of me with this one.
4: This is actually my favorite movie on the list. I love most Pixar movies, but Up especially. So I was uh, glad I was able to extract some financial advice from it.
0: When I clicked to this page, I went, what's Tom going to do with this one? Because, you know, besides the fact that maybe that you make sure that your dog wears the cone of shame, I I can't think of anything that might be, or that the cone of shame is expensive. I couldn't think of a money lesson.
4: Well, I was able to figure one out. It being that you should never abandon prime downtown real estate, which the protagonist of the story does when he floats away in his house with help from uh, thousands of balloons. That is that's so awesome. And of course,
0: real estate something they're not making more of. So, it's funny real estate is something also though that people think that it's difficult, but I think real estate's not as difficult as some people make it.
4: Well, once you have the real estate, yeah, yeah. you just have to hold on to it.
0: Yeah, good point. And but the holding cost on real estate a lot more than on stocks. Does that bother you?
4: Uh, no, not necessarily. I still think it's a good investment.
0: Yeah, Overtime keeps up with uh, inflation, beats the heck out of inflation. Interesting. I love that you got something up. I just love that we get to go through these movies. Number nine is one I just watched from 2008. A script, by the way, that a lot of writers call one of the best scripts of all time. The script didn't win the Academy Award, uh, but this was nominated for an Academy Award. This is nominated for Best Picture. It's uh, Michael Clayton.
1: Michael, thank God look i i I got a situation arthur edens just stripped down naked in a deposition room in milwaukee you are the senior litigating partner of one of the largest most respected law firms in the world you are a legend i'm an accomplice romantic depressive i am shiva the god of death i'm michael clayton you're late This is a $3 billion class action lawsuit. The architect of our
0: defense has been arrested for running naked through a parking lot.
2: He's building a case against you, North. Nobody's going to let him do that. Let him? Who the hell's going to stop him?
1: I spent 12% of my life defending the reputation of a deadly weed killer. Arthur. No way! They
2: killed the Michael. You, North, needs to know he's under control. They've been shook up. They need to be reassured. What are you telling me? That I'm counting on you.
0: This is quite a movie, Tom, about business and intrigue. Oh, definitely, yeah.
4: Watching, uh, listening to that trailer makes me want to watch it again. I know,
0: right? Yeah, it's it's pretty fast paced, and it's funny. Uh, is, is is it bad when your CEO's uh, running around naked in parking lots?
4: Most definitely.
0: <laughs> so, tell me a little bit for people that don't know about Michael Clayton, because we just heard little bits. We heard Tilda Swinton, we heard George Clooney, but people don't know what this movie's about. What is real? What is it really about?
4: Uh, well, Michael Clayton is a fixer for New York City law firm. He makes a lot of money from the job, but not enough to cover an outstanding debt on a restaurant investment that he entered into with his drug abusing brother. So the takeaway from that story or from that subplot of the movie is be careful who you go into business with, especially your family.
0: Man, and we've heard bad story after bad story about that, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Just especially when it comes to working with family members. I see that all the time. We get letters to the show about that and it's and it's so painful. Any stories that you've had to do on that recently?
4: Not personally, no, but I, I know I see them a lot in the news as well. What have some of the letters that you've received said? Well,
0: just said that, uh, that, that, you know, I'm thinking about going into work or business with my brother or I went into business with my sister and now uh, we're not working out and I got to find a way out, but we don't have the right paperwork written up, right? Or that we were uh, 50-50 owners and now I can't buy her out or I can't buy him out or the business is failing because I'm doing all the work and the other person isn't. I mean, no, name, that's tough. Yeah. Name it. Right. I mean, it's a ton of different things. Uh, we've got one more on here and this is a movie that was on my list of favorite movies, uh, for a long time. I, I have one question before we, well, well, you know what? Let's listen to Trevor first. Then I'll ask you the question. This comes to us from 1986. It was best picture. This is out of Africa. It's an odd feeling. Farewell. Men go off to be tested. For courage, and if we are tested at all, it's for patience, for doing without, and I'd
2: always known that.
0: Is life really so damn simple for you?
2: Perhaps I ask less of it than you do.
0: I don't believe that at all. Next time you change your mind, you do it with your money.
2: They bought you a title, Baronessa. They didn't
0: buy me. So Out of Africa stars uh, Meryl Streep and uh, Robert Redford. Uh, this is also a story where they head down to uh, British East Africa and uh, start up a plantation there. And Tom, things don't go the way that they'd hoped.
4: Nope, not at all. Uh, fire destroys the coffee plantation they start, and they're left with nothing, or at least they're put in dire financial straits. So the takeaway here is make sure you have enough homeowners insurance to cover catastrophic events. That
0: was, I have to tell you when I saw that takeaway, I laughed and I didn't laugh because it was funny because I laughed. (laughs) Of course. I mean, (laughs) if you're standing there and everything is burning down, uh, my first call is to my, uh, insurance agent. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, how did this movie make the list? You've got all of these movies nestled, uh, you know, in a twenty-year period, and then you jump all the way back to nineteen eighty-six. Why out of Africa?
4: That was actually one of my editor's suggestions. I've seen Out of Africa, but I didn't think about it. It's been years since I've seen it, so it well, wasn't. It didn't even run through my mind when I was trying to think of movies. Nice so job! I'm glad my editor pitched it. Yeah, nice job by Out of Africa.
0: Now, OG here, my co-host, thought of a couple that he thought should have been on this list, and I'm going to ask you about these. What about Brewster's Millions?
4: Brewster's Mill. I don't think
0: I've seen them. Ah, Brewster's Millions, where he's got he has to spend a bunch of money to get an even bigger inheritance, but he can't tell everybody that he's doing it. And then the other one, uh, Trading Places.
4: Oh yeah. What would be the the lesson there?
0: Uh, I don't. Don't try to corner the commodities market while you're taking advantage of a bunch of other people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why you get paid the big bucks at Kiplinger, and I don't. So, yeah, good stuff here. Uh, so your favorite on this whole list was up?
4: Oh yeah, definitely. I'm a sucker for Pixar.
0: (laughs) I know me too. Right. Well, fantastic. Thanks for writing such a great piece, Tom. And thanks for hanging out with us here on stacky Benjamins for a few minutes. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
2: Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And here's a coincidence. It's both movie day on the podcast. And yesterday was alien abduction day. Is that really a coincidence? Or is there more? They're not telling us. I'm pretty sure the truth is out there. Speaking of aliens, how about this piece of trivia? E.T. riding in the basket of Elliot's bicycle flying in front of the moon is the trademark image for what Hollywood production company? I'll be back with the answer in my own personal alien abduction story in just a moment. Oh yeah, it happened. I
0: right, raise your hand. Do you drive an extra five minutes in traffic to save just a few pennies at the gas pump? Well, when's the last time you spent five minutes trying to save on the big things like auto loans? Lucky for you, we brought in Nick Clements from magnify money with a few tips on saving money. If you find yourself financing a car,
1: if you're buying a new car, there's really no better deal than the 0% financing that would be offered by the manufacturer. The issue really starts to happen if you don't qualify for the manufacturer's financing or you're buying used car. And in those cases, I I think it's a very good idea to always shop online and get a low rate before you walk onto the lot. Uh, Chances are high that the dealer will beat it, but if you don't walk onto the lot with a low rate to begin with, you know you won't get the best deal. Thanks,
0: Nick. More than just auto loans, Magnify Money's the perfect spot for reviewing just how well or not your checking and savings accounts are performing. You might just decide to switch banks and guess what? Why stick with just one bank at all when you can use magnifymoney.com to always find best-in-class stuff? StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Average person saves $450 in interest when they go there. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Thanks to Upstart for supporting Stacky Benjamins. You know, the New Year's luster might have worn off, guys, but there's still plenty of time to make this this the year you get your personal finances on track. It's time to take a step forward toward financial freedom and take two minutes to check out Upstart. Quick and easy, Upstart's rate check is free. Checking has no effect on your credit score, and you can receive your money as soon as the very next business day upon approval. It's funny. We've had so many people on the show. I'm thinking of Eddie Lamb uh, was one of those people who knows a lot about money, has what he thought was a great, great reliability toward paying off loans, and yet denied during the process. Just so frustrating when that happens. Perhaps you were denied for a loan from a bank, or you were approved But your rate is astronomical. Say goodbye to the traditional loan process and hello to our sponsor, Upstart. Simply put, they've reimagined the personal lending industry. They know you're a ton more than just a FICO score. And that's why they take into account factors that banks and credit unions just don't when determining your credit worthiness, rewarding you for things like job history and education in the form of a smarter interest rate. So go online, take two minutes to find out your Upstart rate. Two minutes, as I mentioned earlier, Checking is free and won't affect your credit. Plus, once you're approved, your loan will be funded the very next business day. So you need to pay off credit cards, pay off student loans, you name it, and a personal loan from Upstart can help. Hurry to upstart.com/sb to find out how low your Upstart rate is. That's upstart.com/sb. Disclaimer: Loans are offered by Cross River Bank, a New Jersey State chartered commercial bank. Restrictions apply. For details, visit upstart.com/sb.
2: Hey there trivia fans, and those of you secretly wiretapping this podcast, I know you're there. I have today's trivia answer, but first, before the break I promised you my own alien abduction story to celebrate yesterday's Alien Abduction Day. Little known fact, my own dad was abducted by aliens. I remember it like it was yesterday. Right after a big fight between my parents, he drove down to the store for cigarettes and beer, never came back, never returned. Mom said she didn't know what happened to him, that he probably got abducted by aliens or something, which is funny because there was a dead alien specimen in the sideshow tent of the circus that left town the same day my daddy disappeared. Coincidence? Maybe they were all abducted by aliens. The truth is out there, and as is today's trivia answer, so let's get to it. E.T. riding in the basket on Elliot's bicycle, flying in front of the moon is the trademark image for what Hollywood production company? If you said Amblin Entertainment, congratulate yourself. But not too loud. You don't want the wiretappers thinking you know more than you really do. Or you might show up missing next. See ya.
0: Big thanks to Tom Blanton for stopping by. Man, how many of those
3: have you seen? Oh, probably like 60 or 70% of them. Yeah,
0: good stuff. Favorite among those?
3: I'm, I'm surprised uh, Brewster's Millions didn't make his list. Right.
0: <laughs> spend a lot so that you get the big payday. That's as you can tell, Mrs. OG, isn't it? If No, well, listen, if we spend everything, millions,
3: the lesson is hate spending money. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, you've got to recognize how miserable it is to be able to spend it in order to be able to save a whole bunch of it. Also, it's just a funny movie, like when he has to get an iceberg and <laughs> tow it to Africa is. and it melts along the way. It is. It's so great. <laughs> Favorite among those? Uh, I just watched The Big Short again.
0: Yeah. I think Moneyball might be mine. Moneyball's a great movie. And it's funny, I mean, but bo- well,
3: they're both by the same people.
0: Both those Michael Lewis, right? Michael Lewis books, Stuff. Yeah. Um, A lot of good ones. And on another note, that E.T. image from Doug's Trivia, you see that a hundred times. I mean, you see it a bajillion times. See it all the time. When was the last
3: time you watched E.T.?
0: Uh, Forever ago. You know, another good piece of E.T. trivia, the woman that they hired to do the voice of E.T., was an elderly woman the sound design guy found who smoked two packs of cigarettes a day and he liked the quality of her voice. <laughs> and so they paid her like 385 bucks.
3: To- Mom, there's still an opportunity for you to be a movie star after all. Yeah. The dream's not dead yet.
0: I can just see this gravel-voiced elderly lady being, E.D. Vodome. So good. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG, and tackle some of life's, or rather, life insurance's most important questions. Our friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they've been disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most.
3: Money movies and 20-year bull markets.
0: (laughs) That's why they created the simple way to buy affordable, dependable term life insurance online, because it really is your family and your time, by the way. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free estimate for coverage and learn about life insurance the modern way. Great time, by the way, OG, for people to reach out to Haven Life today as we're talking about getting all these affairs in order. Just get it done right now. Stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Today, we're throwing out the Haven Lifeline to our new friend, Nick. Say hi, Nick.
1: Hey, Joe and OG. Thanks for all you do. And thanks for taking my question. I have a question about variable annuity, and while I can picture your faces, this is a little bit different question than what you've answered in the past. My question is regarding what should I do when the variable annuity reaches maturity? We have about $10,000 of growth right now that would be taxable, and that may grow in the next four years until maturity. We're in about the 33% tax bracket now, and the new tax law should be about 24%. I was originally just going to pull it out and take the tax hit. But after listening to Joe's recent webcast about annuities, I'm thinking about rolling it into the Vanguard no-load annuity. Do you recommend this approach, or should I just not kick the can down the road and pay the taxes now? Thank you.
0: Great question. Let's let's define some stuff, because Nick talks about his annuity uh, maturing. I think what he's talking about isn't maturity date, it's the surrender charge going away. Am I right?
3: Yeah, that's what I would imagine what he's talking about here. Most annuities, you know... Well, all annuities are sold by insurance companies and because they have such high commissions generally paid, they have to have back-end fees on those to recoup that if you change your mind too soon, right? There are a number of emerging companies, Vanguard's one of them, I can think of a couple of others, that have really, really low-cost annuities that are perfect for this example right here. What you want to look at, Nick, is... I would throw out the surrender charge. Just forget about that right now and look at how much you're paying on the internal costs, how much the, there's a there's a line item called mortality and expense fee. They'll say m and or something like that. You probably also have a rider fee on there. And then you're looking at the investment sub-accounts and how much those fees are. All said and done, it's probably 3 to 4% a year. Is what the internal costs are on these things. And they have a purpose, right? So we've talked about that before. There's a it's an arrow in a quiver. You can use it for a specific thing. Probably not a great tool for <laughs> a 35-year-old. I don't know what Nick is, but you know, 35-year-old with 10 grand. There's probably other places. But I think if you look at that extra cost that you're paying versus the surrender charge versus having it go into another company like Vanguard or any of the other low, 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 ultra low cost ones, that break even, I think, happens sooner than four years. It probably happens in a year and a half.
0: Oh, you mean rip it out early, go ahead and pay the penalty.
3: Take it and go. Yeah, 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 yeah. What he's talking about is, of course, do I just take the money out and pay the taxes? So if you've got a variable annuity that's not in an IRA, which is A lot how they're commonly sold, but if you have a regular variable annuity, all that growth is tax deferred. So there is a place for tax deferred growth when you've maxed out your four hundred and one k, you've maxed out your IRAs, you've maxed out your Roths, you've maxed out your non deductible contribution, all that stuff, and you still have got extra money to save. Great, let's grow it tax deferred for the rest of your life until you start taking it out. But in this case, you said ten thousand bucks. You know, it just sounds like a somebody needed a six hundred dollar commission. More than he needed a variable annuity, to me. But um, I'm not a big fan of paying taxes just for the sake of paying them. So if you don't have a purpose for the money, Allah, you don't need it anytime. You know, before you turn sixty, if it's kind of retirement money, I would just keep it as an annuity. But I would get rid of all the costs associated with it.
0: Yeah, I guess these so- are
3: my favorite things to fix. By the way,
0: yeah, the only thing that I can think of that I can add is because all that tax deferral that you're talking about is it, you're going to get hit with that tax all at one time if, if and a
3: penalty yeah low 59 and a half
0: if if you rip it out i think you have to look at also your tax situation later versus now you know if you're in a really low tax bracket now and you think you're going to spend tons of money later well then go ahead and, and take the hit but otherwise i'm totally on board
3: i'm glad we didn't argue this time
0: <laughs> I, I don't want more hate mail saying that i'm arguing with you
3: you're mean yeah
0: meany Trying to be a little nice. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, we also get letters down here in the basement. And this one comes to us from our new friend, Joey. Joey says, Joe or OG, love you guys. Quick question. Looking to minimize taxes on the sale of a property or keep it if I can't? I purchased a condo in June 2017 for $92,500 and put 20% down. Our intent was to stay, do a do new job opportunity. We'll be moving to another state. We have a 15-year note on it at 3.5%. Balance on the loan is about $72,000 as of today. Current market value is around $160,000. It was a family deal. My wife lived there for five years, but for four of those years, her parents were on the title, even though she was paying the mortgage payment. So to be clear, she's only had the title since June of 2017, even though she's lived there for longer. Principal and interest, uh, $529 a month. Insurance, $91. Taxes, 100 bucks. Homeowners Association, $115 is 835 a month. He said we originally considered keeping the condo as a rental property, but we don't like that we have a homeowners association and also have some concerns of the potential challenges of an out-of-state rental property. Market rent for the property be around 1250 a month and the tenant would pay all the utilities, so prior to capital expenditures, maintenance of vacancies, we'd have about $450 a month in positive cash flow. In addition, we have a 15-year note on it. About $325 of the payment each month goes toward principal reduction. My understanding of the IRS code is that in order for the sale of a primary residence to be exempt from capital gains tax, you have to have lived in the home and owned it for two of the last five years. My spouse has lived in the property for five years, but making the mortgage payment to the bank on five, so it appears we met the use test, but not the ownership test. It says, am I overthinking this? If you woke up in our shoes, what would you do? From my calculations, if we sold it for one hundred sixty thousand, our profit would be about sixty-seven five. That means we'd probably owe about sixteen thousand dollars in taxes. Ouch! Uh, so, what do you think, O.G.? Does he keep it? Does he sell it and take the tax hit? Uh, if you were in his shoes, uh, what do you think?
3: Interesting conundrum. I've got a couple of ideas. You said you've got one?
0: Yeah, I do uh, have an idea. You know, I think when he looks at a $16,000 tax it, we're we're just going to assume, without going into his math, that his math is correct, right? And he is correct, by the way, about the two-year rule on the property, and he only has a year of that, so he's got an issue there. The thing that I look at is if he's going to take a $16,000 tax it, and he doesn't, he doesn't sell the property. He's got about eight hundred and twenty-five dollars in expenses a month. So he actually, if he waits another year, comes out ahead. Even if he holds it, nobody else lives there, right? If, if if he just lives there for another year by avoiding the tax on the gain, he ends up ahead by not doing it. So I would say for at least a year, try to find a renter and then sell it after that time. Of course, you know renters can be tough on properties and. And you can end up with some, uh, we've heard some horror stories, so he's going to have to watch out for that. But my feeling would be, you know, depending on what his goal really is, keeping the property might be his his best scenario on coming out ahead in this deal.
3: I think you got to explore talking to a CPA about this and I'd get a couple of different opinions on it or a tax attorney. There are some exclusions to that kind of two year ownership and, and use rule And one of those exclusions is if you've moved for work, right? And you took a job and that sort of thing. And you might not be able to exclude all of it, but you might be able to exclude a portion of it, uh, depending. So I'd get a couple of opinions about that as well. I think you can kind of get out of this.
0: It's funny. I just realized he wrote that, by the way, in a follow-up. He's like, hey, I I just found this thing about moving out of state. Does that help? And I think, you know, this is exactly, yeah, the best advice is go find a tax pro there. But it still then depends on his, you know, he looks at that, I look at that positive cash flow though, OG, and if, if the rent's that high and he could clear another $400, you know, that may pay for a manager who's local or depending on who he finds, he might be able to manage it from afar. I don't know what he does, but this may be a good opportunity for him to, to have an investment outside of.
3: Yep. That's a, that's a great, it's a great um, foray into it for sure, you know, into the rental space. Keep in mind now, if you've got the mortgage there, it might be a little more difficult to qualify for a mortgage elsewhere, right? The bank may look at it and say, "Good point. we're not gonna count this rental income as income yet until you've got a couple of years under your belt, so to speak, so a lot of things to look at. But I think either way, you're okay, right? You can probably get out of most of the tax, if not all of it, uh, talking to a CPA. And even if you can't, then turn it into a rental.
0: Uh, Thanks for the questions uh, to both uh, Joey here and to Nick. By the way, of the two, Nick gets the shirt. You know why? Nick gets a t-shirt is because he called the Haven Lifeline. Because He
3: line. kept his question to 90 seconds. <laughs> right. Cuz we could answer and, Nick's not 400 question. words.
0: We could answer Nick's question way way easier, right? Uh, and it didn't go into IRS tax code as much. So thank you very much. It's it's funny when the annuity question wins the day. That's that's the
3: love me some annuities.
0: That's the oxymoron there. Uh, thanks also to everybody who's left us a review of this year podcast. Hey, congratulations to all of us, because guess what, OG, looking at uh, Apple podcasts right now, we're at exactly 500, we're at 500 reviews. So thank you for all 500 of you that took the time. Big
3: bonus to the next 500 people to get us to a thousand.
0: It was fantastic. And a lot of these going on mom's fridge, but let's start off with this one. Uh, five stars for from TP, not toilet paper. What a podcast. Uh, this is my favorite financial podcast, although people say otherwise. I've learned a ton. Apparently, the quote sizzler is a good place to pick up women. If you run into a bear and it's black, fight back. If it's brown, lay down. And if it's white, good night. There's even an episode about not busting your nuts before retirement. Joe and OG are a plethora of knowledge. It's an awesome boy. he goes back through like the worst of analogies where we talk about polar bears, black bears versus brown bears. We have a wealth of non-financial related knowledge in this year's show, man.
3: I'm staying away from this conversation.
0: Were you in on the uh, you weren't in on the discussion that roundtable with uh, Paula when they were talking about uh, not uh, not busting your nuts before retirement. That, uh, that one got a little I awkward. Have, I wouldn't
3: have participated in that conversation. Pro-
0: probably we shouldn't be participating in that conversation now. Uh, but that is going on mom's fridge, maybe only for a day because I don't know if she wants the, the, uh the Bridge Club, to dive into that one too much. Thanks to everybody who's listened, who's referred us to a friend. That's, it's been a fantastic run. Hey, if you need good financial up in your corner also, OG's taking clients. And to find out what it takes to get him in your corner, head to com forward slash OG. Needed to mention that. We'll also mention that on Friday, we got a fantastic show. We are going back to our crazy, crazy game show ways. And on Friday's show, do you have what it takes to be a millionaire? And we're pairing three of our listeners with our roundtable participants. And we'll see if maybe, OG, you can get more right than you got right on the last one about things that you should. uh... Of course, you won that one, didn't you?
3: All I do is win.
0: You won that competition. Win, Win. win,
3: no matter what.
0: We'll, we'll find out who's a winner on Friday. Probably not anybody listening because it's usually a train wreck in a fun way when we do these. All right. Uh, Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today?
2: So what did we learn today? First, looking for some good entertainment for this upcoming weekend? Try out one of the movies on our Kiplinger's Money movie list. You might have some fun and learn a little about money at the same time. Second, know when you're going to die Finish your estate plan the day before because that's the only time you'll need it. But if you don't know when you're gonna die, how about finishing it now? But the big lesson? Don't let the government wiretappers know that you know that your dad was abducted by aliens. I can hear him on the line now. Hey Stewie, out in the van, I'm not gonna bring you jello shots like I did last time. I know you're listening in, dude. I'll get to the truth, the truth is out there. Big thanks to writer Tom Blanton from Kiplinger for joining us. You'll find Kiplinger Magazine wherever you find books and magazines, or head to Kiplinger.com for more. This show was created by Joe Solcihai, produced by Richie Rutter Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to Stewie's replacement out in the delivery truck outside my house for the Aviator Shades. He must have a great gig to sit in a truck all day outside of my house. Not much happening here. Special thanks also to the guys from the cable company who fixed my cable today. Pat's customer service. I don't even have cable, but they fixed it. And thanks to the organizing company, one of my special fans sent to me. Although, they weren't really that good. They went through all my drawers, really didn't organize anything very well. In fact, actually a little messier than it was when they started. But hey, you know, it's the thought that counts. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you.
0: So I just got back from helping my son, Nick, move to Seattle. So congratulations to uh, Cheryl and I for having two kids successfully employed and out of the house. My budget is uh, all the happier, OG.
3: I was just talking to a client the other day about the fact that I'm writing tuition checks every year for 20 years starting this year.
0: I can't believe you still have that much hair. Well, look at, you can see me. This is the future, Bell.
3: This is where I'm going. <laughs> this is That's where I'm headed.
0: This is this, it's this crazy. Yeah.
3: It's, I can't even imagine not having kids in the house.
0: And it's funny because even after he, uh, you know, he was home for uh, three months after he graduated just to take a little time off. And it was a blast having him home and already miss him not being here. But- that kid can eat, and it's amazing how much how much my bills went through the roof with him. Ill here, like every single bill.
3: Every. Now did you have? Did you have the talk with him before he left?
0: The talk about you know sending money to mom and dad every month.
3: No, no the the other talk, the one about you're not in college. You're not a college athlete anymore, and uh, two pounds a year. You're gonna you're gonna go from that Svelte one sixty five to to, to one ninety-five by the time you turn forty if you keep eating this way, son.
0: We actually did have that. T- you know what's cool is that he he went to the gym like every day and was drinking those gross uh smoothie things that you make and really taking care of himself. So I'm hoping he continues Healthy to do shakes. that. Okay, right. But the bad news is is that you and I know, man, when when I became a financial planner and got that desk job, it just went out the way, I, I I all of a sudden didn't have time to exercise anymore, and then I, I had to build I remember
3: in. going to the doctor when I was twenty one or twenty two because I I had my own insurance, so you know I went to the doctor. And he's like, "What are you here for?" I was like, "Does I have a?" I have my insurance now. Aren't you supposed to go every so often? I was all proud of myself that I would made a doctor's appointment.
0: I remember you know? that day too. And he's, my uh, very own.
3: And now, and now I don't go at all. But, but um, <laughs> of course not. But, but he says, uh, "What's your workout plan? My workout plan. <laughs> he <talked about> my, <laughs> I'm a U.S. Marine. I don't need a, work, look at, a workout plan. <laughs> look, look at, at this. <laughs> this just happens. <laughs> he's like, he's like, not for long, buddy. He said, every year for the next twenty years, you're going to put two pounds on." I'm like, funny guy, two pounds a year. First of all, that's not a lot. And second of all, not going to (laughs) happen. And um, somewhere around my late 30s when I stepped on the scale, because this was when I was maybe like 170 weight. When I step on the scale and I'm at like 199.8. And I'm like, what the hell is happening here? (laughs) (laughs) But have since worked worked back down from there. But it's a lot easier to maintain, Nick. It is. It is to... uh, to balloon yourself up, although it's all about progress, right? So if you don't, if you if you're gonna start a new diet, you should eat like a just a hog the week before and just get that number as high as you can, so that when, so
2: you feel good when you lose it back. You lose
3: when you come down a few pounds, you're feeling pretty good. It's like the show Biggest Loser, right? I mean, do you so- think the guys on Biggest Loser are like. I should start working out before I go, so like I'm in shape when I get there. Oh, they're
0: uh, chowing on donuts.
3: Oh, that's what I would do. Right? <laughs> I'd, I'd like. Let's well, see. Uh, can I add another 25 pounds before I get there? <laughs> Cause of, because because it's percentage weight loss, I got a better chance of winning. <laughs> you know, better
0: uh, chance of winning. I'm I'm sure. You gotta game
3: every, the system, dude.
0: Every physician listening is is
3: is like. But for all of you who care, yeah. I did just recently have a flight physical, and I was healthy as an ox. Or horse, I don't know. Whichever those two are, the healthiest. And, or a uh, great blood pressure. Or and,
0: a half-dead mule, or something.
3: Uh, some <laughs> right. Doctor, doctor was in amazement at my.
0: I was going to tell the story though. Along our way, Nick wanted to. He's never been to Vegas, so he's like, "Okay, we gotta, we gotta stop in Vegas." So
3: blue. How come you didn't tell me about this trip? I'd have shown him everything
0: in Vegas. That's why we didn't tell you about the trip. Cheryl, Cheryl had a conference there. So Nick and I drove the car to Vegas and then picked her up and then went the rest of the way, the three of us, to Seattle road tripping with his car. And then Cheryl and I flew home. But going to Vegas reminded me of, you know, I've never been a huge gambler, but I gamble a little more now than I did before, because I used to give financial. So you got
3: all sorts of money because your kids are done.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because now I'm rolling in it, and if I can double that exactly. that monthly number, now
3: you're now you're
0: thinking that's a that's a big number. And if I don't, it would have gone to tuition anyway. You know, in the there past. So yeah. yeah, nothing ventured. No, no, I, I, not at all, but I was never a big gambler and I had a financial planner had me give uh, financial planning speeches in Vegas and I was in Detroit at the time. So he would fly me uh, a few times a year to Las Vegas uh, and have him give speeches. And what was funny was when I learned how to give those talks, I, I, uh, when I learned how to gamble was him one day, it was his assistant and he and I were standing at, in the back of the room after this presentation and his assistant said, you know, I always wanted to learn how to play craps. And Mark said, oh, oh, I know how to play craps. You you really want to learn? He goes, I'd love to teach you. I said, you know, it's funny. I'd like to learn too. That would be great. So we agreed to meet at this place that had at Excalibur which at the time on the south end of the strip has had the the least expensive tables for craps and I didn't know this at a t- at the time being a guy that comes from a family where like betting a quarter on the Super Bowl was like a big deal he goes yeah minimum I show up with $200 I'm like 200 200 are you kidding me I'm not him. he goes you have to show up with two hundred dollars, or don't don't show up because at a five dollar minimum bet, you have to be able to withstand a few bad rolls, and less than two hundred dollars is just going to flush you out. Like the standard deviation on the rolls, you know <laughs>
3: exactly. Is, yeah, it's too high.
0: Is is way too high. You just got to be able to hang in there. He goes in two hundred probably is enough, but minimum two hundred. So. I go to the, I remember number one, avoiding calling Cheryl to talk about this and number two, which was horrible. And I still should have called her ahead of time, but I'm like, okay, going to just do what he said, hope for the best. I pulled $200 out of the ATM. And I remember this pit in my stomach just going, oh my God. And we walk, we walk into the casino. We meet him at the, I meet them, the two of them at the entrance, the three of us go to this table and we stand back a little bit. And Mark says to us, he goes, Okay, so craps, let's teach you how to play. Do you want the quick way or do you want the long explanation? And of course, what his assistant and I said the same thing. What would you say? Quick. I want the quick way, right?
3: So he, he points out to make as much money as fast as possible. Let's do this.
0: So he said, Okay, great. I'll give you the quick explanation. Uh, you got your 200 bucks? I said, Yeah. His assistant said, Yeah. He's, he said, See that guy with the stick over there? just hand him the 200 bucks. Cause that's where it's going. That's the quick explanation. <laughs> and then that pit in my stomach got even worse. It was absolutely horrible. And then he said, okay, I'm going to teach you the longer way, which number one is do as I say, not as I do. He goes, cause I make a bunch of dumb bets and I'll teach you all my dumb bets, but you don't want to do those. Here's what you want to do to not lose your butt and at least make the game go longer. So he taught us that craps is, you know, the, the best odds in the casino, but that the ups and downs are strong. And so we start playing and I win in about 25 minutes. I win 80 bucks on my $200.
3: It's a good ROI.
0: Yeah. And I immediately take my money off the table. Mark's like, what are you doing? We just started. I'm like, no man, I I understand risk and I understand what I just did. And I'm, I'm done. I'm watching.
3: I got, I got a 40% return in 20 minutes. I'm out.
0: Yes, I am. i I am watching. So I was done that trip couple months later I fly to Vegas again to give speeches for him the next time I go to the casino by myself grab my 200 bucks go in there still feel in the pit of the stomach but I'm thinking if I can avoid a loss of more than 80 bucks right <laughs> then then I'm still good then life is fine so I put my 200 bucks down I start playing the game and uh I win like 75 bucks dude And so then I go back the second day because I was giving speeches on two different days. Go back to the table. I win like 90 bucks. And then the next time I go, I go in the middle of the day, me and these old men before I'm giving the speech and I lay down my 200 bucks and I play the system again and I win like another 80 bucks. And then I go on this fishing trip with my dad. And we're driving through northern Michigan and we get to the border Sault Ste. Marie, and there's a little casino there. And my dad and his buddies and I are there. Everybody's like 60 except me. And my dad says, Hey, uh, so um, you know, we're gonna play the slot machines. I'm like, Do they have a craps table by chance? My dad's like, yeah, I was wanting to know how that works. What do you do? I said, I said, so watch follow me and I'll show you. First thing you do is you take 200 bucks. My dad's like, holy there's no way I'm taking two. Are you crazy? I'm like, nope. Takes 200 bucks, and I'm I'm the pro now, right? So I'm like, nope. You gotta you gotta handle it this way. And he goes, okay. He and my uncle are standing there, and they go, okay. I said, you want to know the quick way to play? Or the so I'm stealing the jokes and everything, and I immediately they stand there and I win another like 75 bucks, and then. I'm going to see a Red Wings game with a couple clients. And my clients are like, hey, let's go down to the casino. I'm like, oh, there's this game where you never lose. It's called Craps. <laughs> it is fantastic. And I take out 200 bucks. Now I'm with clients. This is the dumbest thing ever. I'm like, hey, I don't thing, give.
3: The first thing I need you to do is withdraw your IRA. <laughs>
0: Hey, I don't gamble with your money. Let me show you. How, let me show you this game. do my own. Let me show, game you a, let me show you this game at a casino. and And I walk over to the to, to the craps table, and I have my two hundred bucks. I go, and I'd say within four minutes, it's all gone. Like the two hundred bucks is all gone, and I'm like, oh, this can't be the case. This can't be it. So I kind of play it cool. uh, End up going to dinner with my clients. Had a great time. After dinner, though, I say goodbye to them. I circle back to the casino because I'm going to get my damn money back because you don't lose at craps. And I take another 200 bucks and I go up to the craps table and it's gone about six minutes later. I'm down 400 bucks in a combined less than 15 minutes of playing. It's awful. And uh, I don't know that I played once or twice since
3: so the moral of the story is the casino always wins
0: yes the moral of the story is
3: 32 minute
0: don't win don't win at craps like your first five or six times playing because it gives you
3: thoughts that are completely False confidence <laughs> completely not true i only played craps once <clears throat> i played blackjack that's my and you never lose at blackjack either you, you, so you know.
0: yeah you don't just just don't play the the moral of the story here don't play craps play blackjack that's mm-hmm. i'm switching it over that's the big one